long, cool woman in a black dress from the Hollies. One of my favorites. Favorite, favorite, favorite. My uh, my buddy John has also you know, he's got a sweet spot in our hearts for Long Tall Sally. And I'll probably play it as the outro today from Predator. 1987, where they're in the helicopter ride. Anyway, uh, it's welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents Beautiful Tuesday, February the 21st. A uh, very happy 95th birthday to my grandfather this week. Uh, it's It's been a, quite an interesting week with personal, professional adventures. I ended up driving... <laughs> um, what is the Aaliyah song? Back, back, forth, and forth. I was uh, I was taking my stepfather to the airport. I get all the way back home, and, and I got his keys. Oh, no. Well, luckily, he was only written the car. Well, the car wasn't ready. They had to detail a truck. Well, by the time I've contacted him, he's hit the road. But he hasn't hit the road as far away as he could have been if his original car had been staged and waiting on him. So anyway, uh, ended up running to the airport and then driving away past the airport on the second go-around and just long day yesterday with a cigar in the car, some good music. And it's been just an interesting kind of beginning to 2023. I hope that each one of you are experiencing some growth, some fun in your world. Uh, I ended up paying <clears throat> handsomely on... Uh, my taxes, well, that's, you know, I estimated a certain amount and then I earned more. So I'm thankful for the opportunity. I gladly uh, gave that money to the Internal Revenue Service. But um, it's springtime. It's time to be enjoying the, as, as I've discussed many times in, on this podcast, the photosynthesis of the soul, the warmth, the sun coming down, blooming things having all kinds of folks around me. Um, they'll be doing different landscaping, different outdoor projects. My father and I are probably doing some work in his garden. And I'm looking forward to it. I hope each and every one of you are doing things that uh, sort of check a box on your list. And if you don't have a list, make one. People have all often asked me, you know, what impresses me or, you know, what do I surround myself with? I seem to be a happy guy. Well, I look for people that are goal-oriented, and when we even accomplish small wins, we acknowledge uh, things along the way. It doesn't mean everything, and it's not a planned celebration. It's not something that um, matches the momentum, right? Oh, this was a big win. Got to have a big celebration. Yeah. We have to go with the flow, and every instance is treated as an individual um, moment in time. I know that this week I, it's been exceptional for me professionally. Um, tomorrow is kind of a big day. But I look forward to you know being able to have it, it, each year comes around. If you have people that work for you, work with you. Otherwise, I think, and my philosophy has been, it rewards me. It's a dopamine release and so forth if you're thinking scientifically. But I love to acknowledge, reward, recognize the people around me. That is extremely important to me. 
and I've really enjoyed um, the kind of feedback that I've gotten. It's very interesting. I, in, in my past, I wrote like a great number of things. I remember Mother's Day a couple of years ago. I wrote things for um, the sisters-in-laws, my stepsisters who are mothers, my you know actual mother, stepmother, grandmother, other folks I knew that had children. So friends, family, etc. Just wanted to spread the cheer, right? I was given feedback on a very small number of those 23 or 4 pages, whatever I wrote in the span of about 6 hours, a couple of days before Mother's Day. I had to put it in the mail. So you've got to get ready. Got to get rolling. I'd stayed up all night. Started writing it uh, somewhere between 4 and 6 a.m. I wrapped it up around lunchtime. And I just enjoyed, you know, the individual stories that I put down. You can't do that, I don't think, every year without spending a significant amount of time talking to the people um, who would be getting, you know, the letter for the second time, the third time, or otherwise. To me, to consistently record these podcasts, I have to go out and find something else to tell. And I'm not going out to YouTube. I'm not experiencing or soaking in media that I'm then uh, being a social commentary about my observations. It's lived experiences that I'm looking for. And, I've, you know, I'll share all kinds of stuff that I think is a good uh, sort of bibliography where I'll say, hey, this is where I think this thought comes from. This is what this reminds me of, that kind of thing. That's important to me because... It helps me with my, as I call it, breadcrumbs. So the kind of feedback that I get, and it gives me a feeling, or sometimes people give me a high five or whatever else it might be, uh, text messages, whatever it is, and I recall those things over the course of time. So what I felt writing it was the first wave, and it bounces off the other person, it comes back again, and... It's just interesting that, I, I suppose because I've tried that experiment so many times, it always feels good to have somebody say, hey, I appreciate that you noticed. And I don't do it for that. Because if that was true, I'd have stopped a long time ago. The chances of you having thankful folks who give you a your welcome or some kind of letter in reply or something, it, at least in my experience, has been very minimal. So that probability is extremely low. So to do it for that purpose is no. But to do it just to recognize people, because you know, sometimes they're busy, sometimes they don't know what to say back, et cetera, et cetera, I still think it's good to recognize them. And the feedback that I've gotten from the people in my life, especially in the more recent times, over the last few months specifically, has been tremendous. And it matters to me more now than ever, because I think as you get older and wiser, you, you're you pickier with your time, whether it's because you think you have a, a limited amount of time left or whatever your mindset is. But I do think that you know people are a little less on the spontaneity side of things. They want some kind of... Uh, analyzation, some kind of critical thinking involved where, okay, I'm thinking about doing this for somebody. But why? 
why I like my money. I like my time. I like to be in a situation where if I'm going to put my energy into somebody, I want to know that they have some sort of appreciable value. They look at me and they think, wow, okay, well, he didn't have to do that, for one. Two, look at the thought he put into this. You know, the other thing might be, I don't know what to say. Like, there's a lot of that that they could think all of those things and still never be able to speak back to you with uh, sincerity or with any amount of um, true feeling. And that's fine because if you're telling people, you know, what a great chemistry you had with them, what a great experience you had with them, whether it's for a birthday, a Mother's Day, or whatever it might be, and I'm going to do, you know, evaluations not too far into these uh, months of 2023. Um, I like for folks to know that not only are you being noticed, but I'm going to try to do whatever I can for you to feel some kind of a, a financial windfall, if I can help it. And that's... That's a big deal to me, both personally and professionally, because I like for the folks who are in my community to all do better. I was reading something I've seen, you know, you'll see all kinds of things online about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, right? We're giving all this money to Ukraine, we're trying to bail them out. What about our people? What about Americans? And there's there's debates about that. I don't necessarily have a feeling one way or the other. I, I'll vote. I pay taxes. They're going to do what they're going to do. Um... Could I have a voice? I'm sure if I wanted to do a lot of research and so forth. But over the course of history, this is what's been going on for the last 700 years. And it goes into different places. It goes for different reasons. And it, it, the increments of money are uh, beyond what most people would have ever thought would be possible. I think it's important to, to give people a, not only a sincere, but a reasonable amount of like recognition to be able to give them a, a reasonable um, amount of opportunity with their life. And so when people are working directly with me, under me, or, or in my community, I like to think that we have a good standard of living, but a standard of compensation that reflects uh, what people's work-life balance is. If you're spending a tremendous amount of time at work, you're getting results, you need to share in that. And I don't think it's wrong for you to say and speak up that, you know, this is my contribution and this is how it's laid out. Or if you have a pay scale, you have otherwise, and you just say, hey, this is what I'm I'm looking at doing. This is where I want my life and my career to go. Okay? One of the things that I do for myself and I encourage you to do for yourself is to look at, be knowledgeable, and then look at where you're at. Uh, in the framework of your, if you're an organization, if you're in just an independent person in your community, is your market value similar to people who are producing the same results? If not, um, then it's one of those things where you know you need to assess that. If you're producing uh, inferior results, maybe you're overpaid. But if you're producing what you would consider to be um, the upper echelon of what people are getting for their money. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, let's have a discussion about the results and, and compensation. 
If you've agreed to that, you know, in North Carolina, we have a right-to-work state. So you agree to work, you volunteer, you can leave at any time. They can fire you for any reason. Um, it's a little funnier than that because of federal law, but it, it doesn't boil down to too much more than that. And you need to know that going in. But there's a lot of places with from work at home, from people who work for themselves, don't feel like in 2023 that you belong to anybody else. If anybody's arguing about opportunity and freedom and oppression and things like that at, at these points in time, then you're not looking within your own community and with the resources of the global marketplace. There's there's too much going on. I had someone who um, asked me to, to kind of discuss a special topic, which was people who decide not to work. They were talking about the gamble. But what had come up is tax returns. And it was one of those things where we looked at it and said, hmm, so-and-so is going to get X number of dollars back on their tax return. Okay. Why? Well, because they have this amount of dependents. They're claiming this amount of exemptions, that kind of thing. And I said, oh, I need to know a little more. And so where that comes into play is how much you earned for the year. I always love a good cigar. What that does is it, it's designed by the government to kind of balance out, okay, so you had these kids to care for, but your family is contributing long-term to the community, and this is what we see those uh, checks and balances to mean, right? And, and checks and balances meaning we're going to reallocate dollars into your pocket. It's one of the reasons you can go and apply for EBT and food stamps, welfare, Medicare, and a host of other programs, um, especially through the pandemic and beyond, that will pay for so many things. And all of that is based on your income. And some of it, some of it then falls into, okay, well, how many people are in your household? How many are under 18? What are they doing? You know, are you responsible? Are you their legal guardian? That kind of thing. Because then they look at it within the framework of work of what it costs to have the care of those folks. The food and everything that goes along with, you know, that life um, and the responsibility for it. So if so-and-so that you're a friend with gets, for instance, $6,000 back on their taxes, and you go, wow, that's, that's, that's healthy. I didn't, I didn't get anything. I paid in. Yeah, but this person only made a, a, a very small amount of money. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sorry to bring up, but it, it's, it makes me unhappy to bring up the lack of accountability, the lack of responsibility, the the dishonesty is is not welcome here. Uh, where we bring up and we say, "Hey, they were cheating," as people say, on their taxes, right? And it's one of those things where so and so is going to you work in a restaurant, you work for cash, you don't report. Your earnings, whether it's tips, whether it's a day's pay under the table for whatever you might do, construction, you name it. Maybe you just run a booth at the flea market and you don't pay taxes. Well, now that becomes this complex 
gamble. That's the way I was looking at it. I was looking at it from a philosophical standpoint. Like, are these people intelligently playing the system, or is it dumb luck? And this is something that I just thought I would discuss on the podcast, because you may be out there thinking some version of this. You may have something to add to the conversation. You can email me at CraverMichaelL at gmail.com. We can talk about it. But it literally boils down to, here is uh, this person. Now, they keep the cash, right? So they, they have now kept the cash, and this is why it's illegal, and this is why it's against tax law. They've kept the cash that they don't report. And they're going to file their taxes as if they made less money. Well, now there's an offset, and they are giving um, the individual exemption, or if they have children, they're giving those exemptions. And the amount of return that they get is based on what they report for their income. Well, if they report that other income, then, hmm. But here is what happens in those situations. Here's the, here's the discussion that you can have with whether you think it's real, who it's really cheating. Because if you live that way, you're depriving yourself of being able to climb the hierarchy, to climb the framework, to be able to succeed on, uh, you know, at, at a very high level. Because if you depend on those services and you earn your way out of those services, those exemptions, those social uh, kickbacks, that you, you may get food stamps. Maybe you get some kind of housing incentive. There was a HOPE program. Under the HOPE program, they would pay your rent, utility, water, phone bill. They would pay your living expenses and all of your monthlies. Um, And I think you also could get unemployment on top of that. And this was during the pandemic, and it lasted for a while. There may still be people receiving from this. That was kind of a comprehensive program that came out because of the, the COVID situation and the closures. But... What we have run up against is that those folks, um, they're handicapping themselves. That's the, that's the discussion point that I'm trying to have. In the long run, this person who doesn't report those things can't suddenly become the exceptional leader where they are. They're in dishonest positions. Now, you could become the head of a you know, company that operates based on cash, and then you, you really are running the risk of some serious complications legally. You could ascend what would otherwise be a very dishonest business, right? John? Bree, any idea why we are in a fridge? Well, I'm Bree. Yeah, I'm John. I know, but you're John who? John Ham. So we're Bree and? Bree and Ham. Ham and Bree, I get it. And Hellman's. We're dinner. Well, with Hellman's, all these leftovers can be anything. Is that Pete Davidson? Uh-huh. He really is everywhere. I'm going to eat you guys. You guys are really delicious. That's, that's weird. Hellman's brings leftovers to life. But if I work, let's say, at a, let's give the restaurant example. Okay, I've worked in plenty of restaurants. I make X number of dollars. And then if I were to choose not to pay taxes, not to report my income, I might be eligible for a lot of social programs. Okay. 
Well, then my budget is based on all that money that I'm getting. Not only from, I've got the dollars that may or may not be on a check. So I've got my hourly pay. I have the gratuities that I earn. I have the money that I get from the county, the state, the federal government. And that's what I live on. That's how my budget comes up. So maybe 50% is me and 50% is from supplemental social dollars that come in. It's charity money, kind of. Um, and that's fine. That's, that's how some older people live on Social Security. Okay. So the risk that you run is if I take a job in management at that same restaurant, it drastically changes the landscape in two different ways for me. Because I become a salaried person who is now not eligible for any of those social programs. So I now have to negotiate, is it worth it to me to move up in the world? I made $20 an hour as a server. I only got paid, I think it's $2.13 in the state of North Carolina. I got paid $2.13 that they know I made. Well, I only reported that I made $11 an hour. So for 1,200 hours out of the year, I made an extra 9 bucks. An extra nine thousand plus eighteen hundred. I made an extra ten thousand eight hundred dollars. We'll round it up. I, so I have eleven thousand dollars in cash. I didn't report to the government. That's mine. The county is going to give me two hundred dollars a month in food stamps. Often people get more. Well, there's twenty four hundred dollars. So I've now got eleven thousand plus twenty four is thirteen thousand four hundred dollars. I may get Medicare coverage that the county gives me, so I don't have to pay for any kind of health insurance. That could be $200 a month, very easily. Let's do $2,400 more on there. So $1,340, and now we're up to $15,800 a year. That, that's money that I don't have to earn. County's giving it to me, or I'm stealing it. I'm just not going to report it. And you got to remember, if where you're going is from this amount of dollars to a different amount of dollars, it's got to cover that amount of ground. Who in the world is going to get a $15,000 raise? Well, you could get a $15,000 raise, hypothetically, if you went from a server into a salaried position. You could get a $40,000, you know, there's a lot of restaurants who pay fifty dollars or so. But generally speaking, it's a very few people who do that. And so when people are in this system, and I've heard the argument that it's oppressive or it's racist, or whatever, it's a mathematical system. It applies to everybody. You could try to say that it's, you know, this many folks use the system from whatever demographic, whether they're Latino or Spanish or African-American or Chinese or whatever they may be. But the reality of it is that if you are dishonest in the system, You'll never be able to, to circumvent the system because there's no amount of money that goes, it would be rare, but there's no amount of money that's going to be offered to you to take you from being in one end of the system where you've been dishonest about how much you make in order to get social benefits. And now, if you're honest about what you make, you, you give up all of those social benefits. You're on the hook for paying all of those dollars for groceries, for housing. It's money you will not get back on the tax return. 
money that you would give up if you were going to go back to school. Because now, what your taxable income is, your reportable income is, the honest number is completely different than the lower dishonest number you used before. If I work at $11 an hour for 2,000 hours a year, 2,080s full-time, I'm going to report $22,000. Okay, well, the government will give me a lot more than that. Not a lot more than 22000 but I'll end up with 33 35 on average. It's not bad. You only got to earn like half your money. But in order for you to earn 35000 from twenty, it can be a jump. And so there's that struggle that people have where it's like, oh my God, like what am I going to do to transition from this job to that job? Because nothing is going to give me that kind of pay increase. So I've either got to do without... I've got to live with family and save dollars on my utilities and house payments and all that kind of stuff, okay? I am going to get married. I'm going to be in a couple with somebody. We're going to share a budget. We're going to cut our expenses together. And these are things that are productive ways around doing it all on your own. But our system was never really designed to do everything on your own. The American way of life has always been designed for a husband and wife and you know, children, and that's where the incentives come along. And as you're married, there's an incentive for that, and it's cheaper to do things as a couple, etc. So when you try to have this single life that is now the predominant wave of the future, where less women than ever are having children by the age of 30, there's more single people than, you know, the system ain't built that way, and it's not going to change for you like that. So to demand to rework the system is rather ridiculous. There's not twice as much housing now, right? Because before, people had a family. They shared a house. Husband and wife lived together and the kids. And now they don't have to have two different houses. Well, why do you think there's a fucking housing crisis? Because families don't stay together. And part of it's got to do with the generations of people who are just somewhat irresponsible. And people have said this to me because I have children too, but, you know, it's like this planet will only reasonably sustain pollution-wise, you know, the, the mass of land that we have, the quality of air and water will only really sustain a certain number of people. Nobody knows what that number really is. They, they hypothesize. Some studies have shown that in about 9 billion, something of that nature, something very dramatic would happen. But we're already seeing the things with COVID and so forth before we hit 8 billion. I watched a documentary called A Plastic Ocean not too long ago, right? Because there's X number of things are in plastic every single day. You're not getting around without plastic. And that's now become, you know, to where they can't contain it from getting into the food system. So as they go out and they do studies on any kind of sea life, ocean life, fish that you may eat, um, they have plastic in their genetic makeup now they eat it it gets into the fish people eat the fish people get the chemicals that were in the plastic bottle and nobody knows what that'll do in the long term but we have a good idea we know what happened when they dump water upstream in massachusetts and in west virginia and it's happened throughout the world where rivers have been polluted in one way or another it's the exact same thing and it can come from a plastic bottle directly to the animals but 
if it's just in the water and it's in the animals and then it's in the people because people use the water. And that's where this becomes this dramatic discussion that I start off way over here and end up somewhere else. But it does. It starts off that way where when you're not responsible at home and you go, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use social services and I'm still going to have three kids. Let me get this right. You don't earn enough money to qualify for a mortgage. Maybe even for yourself. Now you're responsible for three other people. Two other people. But each one of them is a quarter of a million dollar investment that you don't earn and you're unable to sustain. So who pays for it? Somebody else. And as long as that money is going to be free anyway, let's move the numbers a little bit. Well, how do you ever get out of that system if all you ever did to get into it was dishonest and a lie? I'll never forget what a therapist said to me a long time ago, which was, if logic did not get you into a situation, it will not get you out of a situation. Which is, I'm sure we could come up with an example. You know, but I'll tell you this. It's a trap that people put themselves into because now there's no amount of lies you can tell to get out of it. You put yourself into such a financial situation. There's no amount of money you could take to clear up what you've started. And bankruptcy is kind of like that, but it's not proud existence for the, the kids that are involved in these situations where there's two single parents, etc., etc. That's just not what studies show. And so I don't really know what you know folks are looking for when they're trying to explain away this stuff. Now you could try to say, well, the system is built from an oppressive standpoint. It holds down poor people. It's not really how it works. With capitalism, the harder you work, the more that you earn, the more responsible you are with the money, the better opportunities you're going to have. Now, if you said it's built so that handicapped people can't do an amazing job, if you're talking about the sport of basketball, I wholeheartedly agree that there's not going to be a guy with one leg or in a wheelchair or one arm or whatever who's going to succeed and thrive in the NBA. However, socially, it's very different because folks can succeed uh, without regard to location. Now, it doesn't mean every location is profitable and thrives. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you live in a place that would be considered lower income or you know, it's a town that's been destroyed because industry moved away because nobody ever really had industry there. It was just a housing project. I would wholeheartedly agree that those are not favorable circumstances for anybody to be able to thrive in that location. Because unless you're going to bring industry to that location, there's just not a community um, of commerce, there's not a community of business 
that's going to support a bunch of people getting jobs, and specifically high-paying jobs or ways that they can get up and out of the community. They're just going to have to move and move away. Some of that requires uh, the right kind of gamble. You just got to move somewhere and take a chance. But unfortunately, people of all demographics get caught into these situations where you're in a place, whether it be mining towns that have been abandoned, furniture places that have moved you know, overseas, this is throughout Michigan, throughout so many places in the world. Now, there's people who, you know, they want to advocate for their individual tribe. John? Bree, any idea why we are in a fridge? Well, I'm Bree. Yeah, I'm John. I know, but you're John who? John Ham. So we're Bree and? Bree and Ham. Ham and Bree, I get it. And Hellman's. We're dinner. Well, with Hellman's, all these leftovers can be anything. Is that Pete Davidson? Uh-huh. He really is everywhere. I'm going to eat you guys. You guys are really delicious. That's, that's weird. Hellman's brings leftovers to life. Well, they've tried to have arguments with me over the course of time, and I've said, look, I look at everybody as being a human being. You're not going to get me to break it down any better than that, any more specific than that. I don't look at folks based on some kind of <laughs> tax category. That's not how I look at folks. I don't look at you and go, you know, I've got ten fingers and you've got nine. We're very different. Hey, your eyes are a different color. <gasps> look at the back of your hand. It don't match mine. We're still people. We'll all be people. We vote together, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you could try to tell me some nonsense about, well, I'm fighting... Racism and oppression. And I'll say, all right, well, show me what's racist and we can talk about it. That's the reason that we have legislation and we have things in front of us. But there's not easy ways to work around anything when it comes to uh, people who cheat on taxes. No matter what color you are, the IRS doesn't pursue most of that. You're on your own when it comes to like trying to Stop those people. It really would be up to the people who employ them to fire them. It, be- it becomes a responsible leadership down at the local level. No, the federal government's not going to fix all that stuff. So you have to fix it. You have to acknowledge what's going on. But then you have to give consequences for the behaviors. And this idea that, you know, if you say, well, America was built in such a way that Here is a person who cannot succeed. There's a million people who are going to cite to however many different examples in our 330 million folks who thrive. Some of them walked across the border without shoes, without a dollar. They may not even have the name that they're operating under. And somehow they're doing all right. Did they work hard? Yes. Is it comfortable? Probably not. There's other folks who have a distinct um, genetic makeup. And I don't mean that in terms of what your DNA classifies you as. If you're trying to track back history and go, your ancestors came from Pangea. That's my answer, Pangea. What are you going to beat? You can't be, you know, there's, no, there's no denying that, right? Pangea is the supercontinents, what everything was before it broke up into seven continents. My ancestors came from Pangea. So did yours. 
Okay. No, 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 no. We're going to draw a line and we're going to say we only go back to this year in history. Well, that's not reasonable. Why would we stop there? You could say that people don't like me. They don't want me to succeed. That's obviously true. That's why businesses buy each other up and put people out of business and lay each other off and do all kinds of dirty shit to each other under capitalism so that they succeed. They do it to all people that they're in competition with. That's one of the ugly parts of capitalism. Do it to everybody. They put everybody out of work. All them guys that work for... Enron and Arthur Anderson and all this other nonsense. They didn't care who worked for the Portland Power Company when they bought it up and stole all the fucking wealth out of the people's retirement accounts. They bought it for the liquid and the dollars. That's it. That's all they care about. Nobody wants communities to not succeed because the more places that succeed, the more marketplaces we have. The better the roads are. The safer the places are. There's a direct correlation between violence and poverty. No doubt about it. So the better places are, the less violence it is and the less anxiety we all have. Who wouldn't want people to thrive? Well, they don't want me to to get ahead because why? We're competitive people at the top of the food chain. I understand if you're trying to tell me, like, I don't want the lions to win because they might eat us. I don't want so-and-so to to be the people who set the trend for such-and-such because I don't prefer their choices, right? You prefer DC over Marvel. You spend your money watching Superman instead of the Avengers. No, no, we're Marvel people. We got Disney Plus and whatever. Go for it. Knock your fucking self out. Have fun with it. But to say that the system is built so that people can't play equally is... mm. And there'll be people who will try to give you arguments and say so-and-so has a head start. I don't know that I have anything to add to that part of it. I can tell you that on this podcast I've spoken many times about how people have lived longer and longer... And so as they've lived longer, they're occupying housing that would have been opened up had they died earlier. I mean, that's that's just mathematically true, right? The more people that, you know, fade off into the great beyond, the more their houses open up for sale. And we have probate and, this, you know, estate sales or they somebody gets the house for inheritance or whatever happens, right? Well, when they live longer, they run up the debt for everybody else. And though they're around for moral support and their family gets to enjoy them, you know, 15, 20, 30 years longer, okay. But are they actively, what are they actively doing? You know, are they actively doing anything that is putting money back into the system, not just taking money out of the system? And there's a lot of argument about that, right? So somebody's living on a pension, they get the pension, but then they spend it back remodeling their house. And your local hardware store, a construction company, gets that money. Okay? But mathematically, what his, what the problem with that is, is that the longer you live, that pension was a gamble that you would not live <laughs> that long. And that's why companies don't give out pensions anymore. 
because you worked for this many years, they expect to pay a pension this many years, and then they send your wife or husband or whoever a condolences card, and they stop paying it. But now that people live longer than ever, they earned X number of dollars while working, and they're earning even more money while they're not working, and so it's bleeding the company out to have that happen. That's why people don't give pensions anymore. That's why there's a limit on things like Medicare, whether it's a limit for how long you can have it or it's a limit for how much they will give you. Because in the framework of the system, there's too much of people who then live off of these minute amounts. And they're only designed to be supplements. They're not designed to be living amounts of money. But there's people who have now chosen to live off of these amounts of money. So what do they do? They earn a certain amount of money and get that as a stipend. Or they earn a certain amount of money that they report, keep a bunch of unreported money, and live off the supplement or the stipend. Interesting deal, right? But it's fraud. And the argument that some people will have for that is, well, rich people make all this money, and then they just use the tax system against itself, right? They report such and such, and they use loopholes, and they do this and that. Absolutely could happen. Probably does happen. That doesn't mean that two people who got in a fight aren't both guilty of assault. You know, the old two wrongs don't make it right. I was working somewhere in the past, and and there was a safety violation going on. All right? And I addressed it with someone. I said, hey, hey, hold on. We've got we to talk about this because this is a safety violation. They said, well, what about this other thing that's going on with the money? I said, well, number one, remember the cliche, safety first. But regardless of what's going on with the money, this is an issue. We can resolve this issue right here, right now. Let's do it. Don't look for excuses. Just put in the hard work. There's a lot of people who don't think that it's possible to put in the hard work or that some kind of shift has to happen in the system. I appreciate that people have those feelings. However, there's not a perfect system out there. And the debt ceiling is already what it is. So short of convincing people to voluntarily just redistribute their own wealth It is going to be what it is. And if you cannot operate that way, you're probably going to be very unhappy. But to say that it's uh, an oppressive system, a racist system, or otherwise, all kinds of people have used the system. All kinds of people get left behind. Because mathematically, once you're in a certain category, you start to get left behind. Now, you may look at it and say, well, so-and-so had to fall behind. That's not true. There's an overwhelming amount of people who live in these disparaged parts of the country. No matter what color and raid and creed and last name you have, they're behind. They just are. And there's towns and all colors of the rainbow who are going to be like that. They're all human beings. I don't break it down by anything but human beings who are like that. And it's a shame if there's a disproportionate number of people who are responsible for certain things, right? Right? who are in power positions, who are the most people who cause violence. 
certain number of people are disproportionately likely to have high blood pressure or whatever it might be. Because this is how industries measure people. They try to start playing this game with statistics and go, oh, what age are you? Your car insurance is higher. What gender are you? Your car insurance is higher. What age are you? I'm this age. Oh, what age are you? I'm this age. Aha, good. We'll start there. Uh, now, what's your ethnic background? Mm-hmm. It's what? Okay, and yours is what? Mm-hmm. Well, your insurance is more. Wait, why? Because your ethnicity is more predisposed to getting high blood pressure. And because you could die earlier than somebody else, and it might cost them more on the back end, they charge based on the risk. It's the same thing that happens when you go out into the world of banking and you try to ask for a loan. Hey, I make X number of dollars, and he makes X number of dollars. Well, here's why we're going to give you the loan, and here's why we're going to give him the loan. And it's a combination of a lot of factors that have nothing to do, or not supposed to have anything to do, with your ethnic background, right? It's all about your resources, your liquid assets, your property, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's how it is. It's difficult to find systems that are distinctly based on numbers. You could say, well, my name is such and such, and because of my name, I get funny looks. I could understand that. However, for people to just argue that sight unseen people are being held back is rather ridiculous. If you really think that's true, then take all that ethnic crap off of applications and out of the system. Hey, my name is Larry White. What ethnicity is Larry White? I don't know. Maybe he's Asian. Well, that that seems unlikely. Is it, though? Maybe his mom married guy. Mmm... Maybe his dad just changed his name. Maybe Larry changed his name. Maybe nothing happened. Now, traditionally, you could tell where people came from in the old world, so to speak, because of their name. They had a connotation within the framework of their given name or surname that had something to do with their ancestry, with their origins, or at least where the homeland might be. Okay. But in today's world, <laughs> when you spot somebody who looks a certain shade, how do you know where they're from with international travel and whatever else might be going on with the mixing of DNA? You don't know. You don't know. You probably can't tell with a lot of names that are on paper. Why is that? Well, Part of it's because people come up with these unique names, and they want something that's flashy and fancy. They don't stick to the family tradition of the, you know these ten names made up the family tree. They just don't, and they start straying from that. That's a whole different kind of discussion about why people want to be different. They want that vanity. They want that attention. I understand that part of it. But to argue that the system in and of itself, of let's say America, deprives people of opportunity well number one that would be wrong you could say the level of opportunity is different for folks but that's true across the board 
people who have a certain kind of bachelor's degree are not going to be considered for teaching jobs because they don't have a teaching licensure. It's not enough to just say, hey, I have a degree. What's your degree in? What's your chosen profession? There's been a lot of this debate in the past. Women don't earn the same as men. Well, let's ask, do they have the exact same work history? Do they have the exact same resume or academic accolades or otherwise? Now you got a good argument. Great argument. Because now you've been able to balance the scales and say, here is XYZ. What you'll run into in some of those circles, I've not heard anybody give this argument in a long time, but there is the kind of thought process, well, wait a minute now. At some point, this woman might get married and have kids and miss work and FMLA, etc., etc. And I would turn around to you and say, hey, wait a minute. Don't companies offer men FMLA, etc., etc.? Well, yeah. So why would you pay the women less? Well, because well, they might leave and be a stay-at-home mom or modify their... That's a risk you're going to have to take. Because I certainly look at it in terms of performance. I don't give a fuck about gender and color and all that crap. You human beings, as far as I'm concerned. And anybody who's trying to tell me anything different is just telling me something that is maybe based on whatever they think about a situation, but it has dick all to do with me. Like, I genuinely don't look at the system as skewed in any way, shape, or form. Could you say that historically one person has had more suffering than another person? Yeah. And what about the roots of serving a master? Well... Where are you going back to? Where are you going back to? If you're going to say English people, the reason you had the Boston Tea Party is because of the quartermasters and people you know, from under King George who came over and America was under a tyranny and they were having to serve England. Same kind of forced labor? Eh, not exactly. Not exactly. But it depends where you're going back to. That's one of those things. Well, once we were established in this country, and then there were slaves, and then there was... Okay. So there is that where you're drawing the line? Because if you're leaving an open ticket through history, then you need to be a pretty comprehensive discussion of that would include that a lot of folks who are from the island, or as Iron Maiden calls it, Albion's land. It's an old term for England. Great Britain and the United Kingdom. Do you think everybody under the British Empire that served the king and the queen was a different color? What do you think serfdom was? People who worked for nobles. Who worked for nobles? White people. Black people. But predominantly, right? So is that true in other parts of the world? Absolutely it's true. What do you think the Roman Empire and the Ottoman Empire, and even in modern-day Turkey where they still have slaves and sex trafficking and stuff that's legal? Like, that's not, it doesn't go away. Maybe ever. Because there's going to be places who are third world and uncontrolled, and these are the rudimentary kind of defaults that people fall into when there's chaos and there's not prosperity. So somebody takes the power over somebody else until we can try to bring the system up and everything can kind of function so that everybody can participate in some kind of equal uh, 
model. There is no perfect model. Show me where it's at. Show me where it's at. Oppression exists everywhere. Well, capitalism is basically everywhere, but do you think that people who work in communist places don't feel oppressed? Well, yeah, then where are you telling me that there's not oppression or racism? Where are these systems? Do they exist in countries like in South Africa? Well, yeah. Do they exist in America? Yeah. Well, I thought you are arguing about the color of people. Well, uh... Hmm... Hmm. Hmm. So then how do you boost everybody up and make them equal? Well, because you give everybody opportunity. And it's a shame that not everybody's going to be equal. But, but, we've reached such a point in American culture that we've allowed men to play women's sports and women to play men's sports. Is that fair? No, no, no. We need to classify them down this way because of biological tendencies and DNA in the history of our species. Very well understood, right? So, if you're going to argue that evolution plays a factor into how things are classified, but you want everybody to play in the same league, if your argument is that so-and-so has a head start, how do you go about balancing that? Hey, so-and-so has a visa. They haven't been here very long. It's not fair that you're part of the American landscape. You were here, your family's been here for 270 years. Okay? Well, old Ezekiel over there just came from the promised land. And he's not been here but two years on a three-year visa. Why is the system not putting him at your level. Well, um, you could argue in a lot of ways that the Chinese folks built the railroad and the Italians did this, and in the South, you had a culture of people who did different work. I understand where you can make all of those points. They're just historical reference points, okay, for, the, for right here. Is that justification to try to overthrow capitalism. Well, if capitalism is what gives you your freedom and it's what drives innovation and technology, you can't even have these discussions without the benefits of capitalism. How do you expect to rise up through any kind of ranks without capitalism? Well, we'll have to do what? Then you'll have communism, fascism. What is it you want to have? Tom Segura has a joke where he's talking about he was at a movie theater and he told the manager that there was a baby crying in the theater and it was, you know, what's he going to do about it? And the manager says, hey, man, some people suck. And he said, he said it was the best customer service line he ever heard. And I thought about that and I thought, what if a waiter came over to my table and he was not very pleasant? I called for the manager. Hey, that waiter over there, what, what can I say? Some people suck. You may want some kind of balance to happen, some reworking to happen, like happens with Medicare, happens with EBT, happens with all these grants and loans and scholarships and so forth. That's what we're trying to do in America, whether you came from one place or another. The idea is that we provide opportunity to people 
who put in the work, put in the application, they meet the qualifications, and then they are given opportunity. That's how it works. To say that it's oppressive against those people, how many people are high school dropouts that are, right? You don't have to go through the education system. How many people own their own business, no matter what color or creed they might be? Hmm. You know that there are a vast number of places throughout the country, like in Amish, Pennsylvania, like in Little Warsaw up in the Midwest, like the Italian, the five boroughs, right? These places where certain groups of people, certain tribes of people stuck together, they hired their own people, they kept the money in their community, they did business with their own people, and they grew their culture up to keep a piece of their history, whether it's because they still have a Polish print newspaper or they still speak the language of the old world, whatever it might be. This is how they wanted to keep their culture alive and together. But they also assimilated into American culture, into whatever, you know, English-speaking USA standards they might have to live by in order to have changed their geography, but to maintain their history. That's a different kind of thing. What's being asked on these very individual basis, or at least what was said to me, was, hey... Certain things are inherently part of the DNA of everybody. We all just don't like each other. You don't like me. Okay, well, do you like me? Just asking. Does it only work one way? And that's something that people just, it's, it's a different kind of discussion. You could look at the themed months that we have throughout the year. Like Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Does that mean those people are anything less because... They're talking about it. Some of it's in the message. It's an encouraging thing where people celebrate survival, etc. They don't try to tell everybody what a shame it is that they chose to do things that led to breast cancer. They don't look at it and they doom and gloom, etc. It's a thing to try to celebrate life and try to prolong life, right? That's the theme of, let's say, something like Black History Month, right? You're going to celebrate the achievements, the milestones, and the culture. Same thing with you have Gay Pride Month through the summer, right? And that is to celebrate and to have awareness and to drive the future. That's kind of what it is. It's this pep talk for the rest of the year. And there are folks who argue that, you know, everybody ought to have their day and their month and their week. And it, I don't see that. We can't have a holiday for everybody. And Martin Luther King is here. President's Day is here and so forth. I understand that. But the idea that we're going to reverse everything that's ever happened through a takeover, a battle, an occupation, otherwise, is rather ridiculous. Is the argument that we're going to stop speaking any kind of Spanish? Why not? Spaniards brought over that language from the old world. And then they made everybody speak Spanish. They took over. They established South America and beyond. Of course, you know, the other folks who established the United States, you know, we decided we'd have fight a war and take Texas back and so forth and so on. Was the argument that we're going to give Texas back? Why aren't we giving South America back? And who would you give it to? Who would you give it to? 
I understand the the ideas that are being sort of discussed, kind of the what ifs or why not, whatever. But as was said first, I, I never heard this before, Kevin Sullivan said it years ago in a wrestling interview. He said that if you don't have an alternative, you don't have an argument. He's from Boston. You don't have an argument. Well, you can have discussion points, but what's your alternative? Where do, And then where do you stop? Why not give the land back to the animals? We'll go occupy all the very minute, remote places in the world that human beings occupied when. We're all going to go back to caves and hope there's enough room for us? Can't do that. Where do you draw the line? When you go back to fighting fair and fighting with spears and wearing the cheetah print togas of the Flintstones? At what point in history are you trying to draw the line? And I appreciate that people want everything to be a sort of fair playground for all. But that's not, it's never going to be absolutely true. I mean, there's just people who have better DNA. There's taller and faster and younger and stronger. And, and that's just how it is. And there's people of all different walks of life who then fit those things. We're fascinated by them. Sports heroes, whether they're Wayne Gretzky here, Muhammad Ali there, whether it's you're just a different culture and you just love Rafael Palmero. But he's never done steroids. Period. Hi, I'm Rafael Palmero. Whore! <laughs> I know what you're thinking. And no, I have never intentionally used steroids. Period. Get out of here! Every single day, I unintentionally use a sack load of oops, I hope that wasn't steroids, the accidental performance enhancer. And there are so many easy ways you can unintentionally take them. You can accidentally let some pills fall into your mouth. Oops. You can walk backwards into Jose Canseco, and maybe he'll unintentionally jab you with a needle. Hey, Jose. Hi, Rafi. Ah! Oops, I hope that wasn't steroids. Or you can unintentionally ram some accidental steroid suppositories right up your anus. Oops, I hope this isn't steroids. But don't take my word for it. Everyone loves accidental steroids, especially the kids. This is my nephew, David. He's only eight years old, but he uses oops, I hope that wasn't steroids, every single day. Hey, Uncle Rafi, can you hook me up for my t-ball game? You know, accidentally. <laughs> Look, David, a plane. He's getting in your mouth and he's swallowing like a man. Are you a man or are you a girl? there and win. Don't be a loser. What's in oops? I hope that wasn't steroids. Who knows? But whatever it is, and I'm almost sure it's steroids, it makes my muscles bigger, it helps me run faster. Me score two runs. And it gives me dude boobs. I don't even need a girlfriend anymore. Oh, good. Remember, it's oops, I hope that wasn't steroids. I keep them right in my front pocket where my testicles used to be. 
Unintentionally brought to you by Major League Baseball. And it is what it is. But I understand you having a theme and a figurehead and, and these are what you look to. But I also understand when people go, hey, hold on, hold on now. These were statues of these guys from the Confederacy. We're going to take them down. Well, I understand that. We went over to Iraq and we took down the statues of Saddam Hussein. That was the symbol of oppression and genocide and, you know, unhappiness. Probably not a good mascot to have around. I'm not going to disagree with that. We're just keeping these up to remember our heritage. Well, that sounds like a very unhappy thing. When you find out that, you know, Jerry Sandusky did this or Bill Cosby did that or otherwise and so forth, you know, John Wayne Gacy's house isn't sitting there anymore. Took it down. Why? Because awful things happen there and people don't want to have bad memories. You could make a fucking horror museum out of it if you wanted to. But I don't really understand the concept of having this bad mojo kind of symbolism around. Because, number one, it's just bad mojo. I don't give a fuck about dividing people. It doesn't do anything for me. What I'm looking for out of life, or what, what makes me very happy, is to recognize other people, the hard work they're doing, accept their feedback, and we try to have a democratic solution and vision as much as possible. Now, sometimes somebody's got to say, hey, wait a minute, we're going in the wrong direction, and they have to be the visionary. That happens. No matter where they came from, and what they look like. Sometimes you run into people who set not only the trend, and it doesn't mean they always have the money, but they have this guiding light. Or as I've written about many times, they're, they're one of our lighthouses. They guide us, whether they're keeping us safe or whether it's a new land. And I want folks to be responsible when it comes back to how you report your taxes and so forth. I've, I've been in serving jobs, and I reported or overreported whatever I earned because I, I never really counted the money accurately, so I always went high. That's fine with me. They built the roads. They put up the stoplights, etc. I'm a beneficiary of all this infrastructure. That's okay with me. But this entire idea that there's all these folks who are they're born with a disadvantage. Well, if you are handicapped, you're obviously born with a disadvantage, and then you qualify for the ADA, the American with Disabilities Act. And if you fall into different income brackets, you fall into all kinds of qualifications for social programs that will help you balance your budget. Now, does it mean that people who like you and don't like you have to hire you? Absolutely not. It also doesn't mean that we have to turn every discussion into a fucking hostage negotiation where somebody says, you're going to concede this extremely wild thing that you may or may not believe in. Or 
I'm going to tell you that you have to give up your ideology. Maybe I think it's a fantasy. Now, have I been in discussions where things are inconsistent? Absolutely. Somebody will say yes, and then they'll say no, and I'll say, okay, which one is it? What do you mean? Well, you gave me two different answers in two different directions that can't coexist. Which one is it? You just don't know about racism. And All right, well, I'm asking you, if you're trying to tell me I'm practicing racism, then I need to know who I'm depriving of opportunity. Life, liberty, happiness, you name it. And when you can tell me that, we can discuss it. Because in order to qualify for those words, their definitions, in order to qualify for them, you have to have the criteria met to go forward. If you're arguing that people are stopping a certain kind of people for no reason, and they're applying this stereotype to them based on how they look, but then you take words and apply them to people, based on how they look, it's the exact same wrong. It don't matter which direction it's coming in. Both people, both practices are wrong. Stop doing it. It's dishonest. There is no civil justice and all that kind of crazy crap. You take people to court. We have the three branches of government for a reason. If you think a law is racist or otherwise, put it up in front of an appellate court or the Supreme Court. Let the ACLU or the Southern Poverty Law Center or somebody look over that thing. And they will. Often it'll never get passed to begin with because we have people who are forward-thinking in leadership. But because the country has turned into such a circus, now that the exaggeration of social media and otherwise has led to people who occupy seats in the United States Congress. Yes, there's a lot of folks out in the world who live in this half-fantasy kind of deal where they just will say anything, do anything. And and be very clear about this. It's protected as long as you're not inciting violence and otherwise by the First Amendment. The First Amendment's very gray in that area. You don't have to tell the truth, and you can lie. So if someone wants to call you a name... Well, if it's not accurate, mm, did they say it out loud? Did they write it down? Is it slander? Is it liable? Could be. And that's where you can do like Johnny Depp. You can take somebody to court and you can shut them down. That's what the courts are there for. They help straighten things out. This idea that I am where I am and I'm born into a community in such a fashion that I could never escape it is a little different now in 2023 because there's opportunity to just freely move around the country. Sometimes that takes resources. It takes dollars. It takes, you know, somebody's, some housing or something has to be available for you to move into. I understand the logistics that are involved in that discussion. But oftentimes, people are in terrible situations. And I've dated people who weren't from the best of circumstances. And we've had discussions about, you know, their background or the people around them don't have the same kind of compassion for people, maybe the same etiquette or manners. 
and they wonder why that is. You know, I see things on TV. I read things. I'm, I'm online. I know that people could be acting differently. It, that's true if they were raised that way. But oftentimes, families are raised divided. Children do not get the full experience of having a full mother and a full father. They get a divided, split custody experience at best in most of those cases. Without that guidance, where do you think they're going to go? That's not oppression. That's not racism. That's a lack of foundation. If I have two teams that are going into the playoffs and one of them has a coach and one of them don't have a coach, one of them's got more resources than the other one. It doesn't mean they didn't start out that way. Obviously, there was a dad there to supply the sperm or whatever in the beginning. You can get into the semantics of, a, no, 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 it was a sexual assault. It was a sperm donor. It was a, listen, have a reasonable discussion that covers the most ground. With If you're going to argue demographics, then argue the things that are statistically significant demographics. People who started out as a couple, they had, they conceived a child. They did not stay together for whatever reason. Now, are they getting back with somebody else? Or are they getting with someone? To, are they getting back together? Maybe not. Are they getting with somebody else? Who knows? But without that nucleus of having a role model for both genders, etc., children do not succeed in the same way. We're seeing it across every measurable group. In the United States. Census Bureau counts everybody equally. You're one person no matter you know what you look like or where you live. But the more that we see people who are members of this single parent unit, it's extremely difficult for any of those people to get out of poverty because the system is built in such a way that if you don't have a two-income household, and I talked about this in a much earlier episode about how the workforce has been pitted against itself in this way. If you don't have a two-income household, it's extremely difficult to, to have the kind of comfort that you could have with two people. It just doesn't work out. There's no... And this is why when I was in... Re, I was watching wrestling, and uh, Kane, one of the big monster guys from wrestling back in 1998, was wrestling against the... Um, Tag team champions. And it was two against one. And the announcer says, Hey, look, these guys are the tag team champions. That means no two men can beat these guys. Well, that is what it means to be tag team champions. You're the winner in two-on-two competition. Where is this utopia that you want to live in? Where is this other, this alternative universe that you want to live in? Where... Individual people make as much money as two people put together. And what the hell are these jobs? I'm going to be a single mom, single dad. I'm going to do just as good as two parents. How? Are you going to work twice as hard? Then you'll never be home. And what the hell is this job that you can make where you make twice as much money as any one person? Nobody's considered how realistic any of these ideas are. And if they did, they'd know it was a bad idea. It's flawed logic at fucking best. And I appreciate that people take the gamble and, you know, for a temporary whatever, whatever, they, they might say, well, you know, I'm making this much money, so I'm going to file for some food stamps. Okay? Some people just look at it from a dignity perspective. They think that it's, 
it's indignant or it's like um, some kind of a step down the ladder to ask for help in any way, shape, or form, especially from the government. So they're not going to do it. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's one choice that somebody could make. But at the end of the day, they're refusing opportunity. I mean, that is an opportunity for money. If you refuse scholarships when you go into college and you decide you're just going to work all that stuff off, you tell me, are you pissing away the chance to let somebody else kind of lend you a hand? If some guy opens the door in front of you and you go, nah, I got it, and he slams the door, now, now you have to exert more energy for something he was willing to help you out with. Coke with coffee. We blended Coke with rich coffee for one very good reason. Your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it. Simple as that. Coke with coffee. You're not going to beat two people by yourself. I mean, these, these it's great that people watch these DC and Marvel movies and the superhuman and superhero and all that kind of stuff. It's a great fairy tale or a fun kind of, I guess, fantasy and imagination. You pick your word, right? But at the end of the day, those are not mathematically likely odds. There's not a guy who's running around in the UFC who's going to take on two other fighters and defeat them. Not even as a fluke. They got two arms and two legs each. So they're just going to grab him and take him down and tear him apart. That's why in nature, you know, those animals that hunt in packs are extremely successful. They isolate somebody from a different species and then they eat them. Now, if you're making the argument that, well, X number of percentages of the population are broken down this way and this way and this way, I can understand what you're saying, statistically speaking, but a lot of people play a lot of games with statistics. And it's not that I don't agree that there are certain people who are going to have more voting power or whatever than another because they have a majority. That's absolutely true in every kind of walk of life, especially when you're dealing with uh, finances, with the stock market. There are majority shareholders they're going to carry the majority vote. A lot of companies have different types of stock, A stock, B stock, and you may own stock in a company, but you can't vote because the owners, the people who started the company, actually own all the voting stock. You can make money off the company, but you'll not have any say-so. You may be able to get money out of Social Security. You may be able to get money out of the social services that Supply money for, once again, EBT, for food stamps, for Medicare, beyond. But you may not have a lot of say-so about that stuff. At least you don't think you do. Well, might be true. Might absolutely be true. They don't require you to give up your right to vote in order to receive any of that money. But what I will say about those situations is that it's extremely unpleasant to think that Anybody feels that they're being shortchanged. We don't want the kids in class who feel that they're being left out. Those become the violent folks. They become the eccentric folks. And now they have to get louder and louder for anybody to pay attention to them. Because the crowd is louder than they are alone. So do you understand why the guy walks into the school with whatever his weapon of choice is? It's an old Harry Chapin song. 
called Sniper. And the chorus to the song says, Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? And it talks specifically about Charles Whitman climbing the clock tower and, and shooting people. And it's a shame when people have to get loud and they have to do things to be acknowledged because what I look at in terms of my community, in terms of the people who work directly under me, et cetera, et cetera, is what can I do to highlight their strengths and perhaps even hide their weaknesses? It's extremely important to me that the people who are even working and directly reporting to me thrive. I want the folks who are underneath me to do better. I'd like them to take my job one day. I'd like them to learn what I'm learning. A lot of folks who've worked under me, I've developed, they've moved on to the equivalent of my position. Great. I hope they succeed at a faster rate. I'm 40 now. Some of them are younger. Some of them are older. And I hope that they conquer the world. I want everybody to do as well as they can possibly do. You'll get laughed out of my house and out of any conversation to try to tell me that I want to hold anybody back, that I believe or practice some kind of oppressive this, racist that, whatever whatever it might be. Are there people who are trying to throw the words around just to make it uncomfortable? Yeah, it's the same reason that somebody feels outrageous and they're in a bad situation in a relationship. So misery loves company and they're just going to try to piss everybody else they can off. It's one of the bad guy moves in wrestling. Hey, I lost, so I'm going to give you the, you know. But I just, I don't understand that, the point of that. Because there's more productive ways to try to work together. And whether it's because people have created legislation like affirmative action or the equal opportunity of employment, uh, whether it's done in the forms of scholarships or otherwise, um, I just I want people to be able to thrive based on their individual abilities. Do we all have equal abilities? I don't believe in equality of outcome. That'd be ridiculous. Why would you watch sports if everybody was just going to have a tie every game? And they don't take the teams and redistribute them based on the statistics every year. Just because somebody dominated the league doesn't mean next year they're not going to do it again and have a dynasty over and over again. What you're looking at, at least what I'm looking at through my perspective, is that I would like there to be very healthy competition. I want people to beat me and win. Not only because it means somebody else is doing better, because it drives me to then have to get my win back. It's part of the epic storytelling of wrestling. You beat the guy and, oh, he's got to get his win back. Or he's got to redeem himself. Yeah, I love that. Love a comeback story, redemption story, or otherwise. I don't care how you spell your last name. I don't care what you look like. I got nothing to do with anything. And if you think it does, especially regarding my individual opinion, then you are absolutely wrong. I love when I see people 
who are happy. Now, not everybody has to make the same amount of money to be happy. There's some people who are going to stay home and raise kids, and they're just going to be happy as a clam. And those kids are going to get good quality of life. It's one of the reasons that World War II people are called the greatest generation, you know. And beyond that, people had, you know, a different kind of strength and morals and integrity before. A lot of that has to do with the family, um, the structure of, of how one parent might be working and one parent is dedicated to children and the children get more time, whether it's with one parent or both. But now that we have a completely different marketplace with all this extremely frivolous kind of overconsumption that goes on, companies can exploit people as much as they want to because everybody needs to work. That's not oppression and racism. That's consumption. That's called an employer's market. People voluntarily sold their houses to large corporations who now control a large part of the housing market. Well, that fucking sucks for a lot of people because now they can set the price on these houses or they can just rent them or lease them out and they'll never have to give them up because the houses are owned by a conglomerate or a large company. They are part of this giant pool of dollars. So that company's never going to lose so much money they have to sell off all their houses and sell off the assets. They'll be able to hang on to those houses forever. Plus, they're protected as a company in different ways that individuals are not protected. That's why when you have a good thing going, you don't just sell it to the highest bidder. You don't just give up your community to have Walmart come in. Just don't do it. Because inevitably, the money ends up going somewhere that you can't get it back. and You lose your virginity or your integrity or your purity and you cannot get it back and i've made enough mistakes in my life that you know you you learn directly from those mistakes you remember them because they're mistakes and you have a scar tissue and you have a a nightmare about it but there's some things i'm never going to have those um i guess you would say bad memories to a company because i refuse to participate in um, these very harmful kind of social constructs that people just despise. Now, you can pretend that the earth is flat, and you can spend your whole life lecturing people about how they're going to get close to the edge and fall off. We need to do this. We need to study that. We need to have all this. It doesn't make it any more true. And Just because you can get a bunch of people to believe it doesn't make it true. I've gone, you know, very into, you can make the correlation, or at least you can go side by side with something like religion. It's based off of different stories that have come over the course of time. It's a real institution, right? Because we have nonprofit, we have churches, we have people who show up, they dress up, they will tell you about their belief system and how they're going to act. It's a way of life. People would think oppression, that racism, that fascism, that communism are ways of life. They can be, they're systems. Religion's a system. But to argue the merits of it and the existence of it is a completely different thing. Where's your evidence of, uh, I mean, you know, and you could tell me that religion gives people this and this because there's this kind of clothes and they are this kind of folks and whatever. They're good morals, but it comes from the same 
credibility as Mother Grey and Farmer Goose and the Brothers Grimm and any other kind of Dr. Seuss tales that are out there. The reality of the Bible is that it's rooted in ancient folklore. And I went through this in depth at a, on a previous episode, but you know, everybody who's in the Bible comes from a previous story from thousands of years before. It's put together by Constantine and then the Council of Nicaea. They changed the names, they played around, they put a book out. The Quran is based on the same story, story of Abraham. What? Christianity is not based on the same story as the Muslim faith. Absolutely. And folks who don't know that just don't have their evidence uh, side by side, or they don't know how to interpret it properly. I mean, you could take it and you can you could say, "Hey, uh, three plus three is six. No, it's not. You could miss it. I could give you a puzzle with all the pieces, and you could go, "No, no, I can make a different picture with these pieces." That's not how it works. I appreciate that people want to have conviction and some people choose a way of life like the folks who choose to use the social structures around them, whether it be that they go down and they are supplemented in some way. Whether you go to school and you're supplemented in some way with financial aid, student housing, or otherwise. I mean, that's just part of what goes on. People go down to the food bank and they take advantage of it. There's all kinds of resources throughout your city, your state, your rural area, where people are doing things for one another that are cost-free. And these don't go down on any taxes. We don't have to take up a big collection. We don't have to allocate it from a budget. There's some folks who just, my father, for instance, when he has extra stuff out of his garden, he carries it around. And when he runs into people that he knows or otherwise needs something that he is aware of, he'll just give them, you know, how much will you need? How much can you use? There's a bucket of squash. A bucket, yes, a five-gallon bucket. And he lets them take whatever they want. Because it's not something he's going to use. It's excess. That's just part of how it is. And when I have extra money, I've donated it to a number of places. I've given time to any number of causes. And I make sure that outside of work, the people that I know and care about, and even folks you know who professionally work for me, I go out of my way to let them know that I am consistently available, whether it's for profit or not. I want them to be better people. I want the community around me to be better. And I could tell you that that's a superior way of life because there's a dopamine release, because commerce will be better, because the violence will go down, because we'll all get along and acknowledge each other, because we'll reduce hostility and tension. But you don't have to believe any of those things. That's fine. You could just tell me, Michael, you know, you were born a certain way. You're always going to be a certain way. And I'll say, oh, I didn't know that. I thought we were human beings with aptitude and capability. That when opportunity comes along, we can make changes. We can have discussions. We can broaden our minds. We can change our opinions. We can improve things. That's the whole point of me having the podcast. It's just to speak out loud. I feel a lot better after this. And whether and it's been a kind of a record number of people that are listening, but whether it's nobody and it's just me and I upload this, or whether it's ten million people, I would like for the world to be a more comfortable place. 
but I've articulated a lot of different reasons that a higher population with more prominent, you know, with with overconsumption is not going to be something that the planet we live on can handle. It's just going to make it more uncomfortable. And that's a shame, but it's also the truth. And it's important to know that. And if you try to say to folks, you know, this is this and this, and this is bad, and this is whatever, I would say, if it's not illegal, then try to tell people that you would like them to change, but you can't make them change. And that's a completely different thing. If what someone is doing is because they don't like you, that does not necessarily make it discrimination or otherwise. Nobody has to like each other. I try to pass the ball or you know give everybody an opportunity. Absolutely. Because you don't know otherwise. I like knowing. I like giving people the opportunity so now we have some kind of factual track record to go off of. I'm not going to... I don't have a you know, supposition that's predisposed to thinking this and then I'm going to deprive people of opportunity or oppress them or otherwise and say, oh, yep, mm mm-hmm. How can you be absolutely certain about that? Unless you give people opportunity and take it to a different place. Now you can say, hey, look, we tried that experiment and it failed. We let men play women's sports and they dominated the sports. It's not fair to the women. No, it's not. It's not ever going to be. I want people to enjoy their life. I want people to get along. And I would like for people to stop accusing everybody who looks a certain way of a certain thing because it's the exact same thing that you don't want to happen to your people. Hey, did you know the police stop people like this and this and this? Do they? Is that the same thing the Border Patrol does? Hmm. Let me ask you something. If you see people who fit a certain category, are you accusatory of them based on visual characteristics? Based on things they can't change. I'm not talking about somebody's car swerving so you can pull them over for suspicion of a DUI. If you see somebody that looks a certain way, are you assuming things about them? Did you see the body? I assumed she was dead. Assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. Well. If you had a discussion with someone... And they've told you their beliefs, and you tell them something that is in conflict with their belief. Hi, I'm Michael, and I think this way, I operate this way. And you come back and say, "Mm -mm. are you taking away my individuality? Are you dehumanizing me? Are you speaking for me? So you're arguing against oppression. That's your goal, right? Anti-oppressive. But you're going to speak for somebody else and take their voice away. Do you think that qualifies as oppression? Do you think that qualifies as holding somebody back because you're going to take their turn for them?
If you're judging people and lumping them into groups, is that considered down the tiers of the definition, right? In the, in the lower tiers, the more loosely exaggerated versions, if you're grouping people together and then isolating them by that group and saying this is all they're capable of, being accusatory, causing conflict based on that, is that considered racism? You are depriving them of the opportunity to speak, speaking for them. Does that fit the definition of something like racism? Yeah. Absolutely. That's why I let other people speak as, as much as they need to. It's not going to bother me for you to have a different opinion. It's not going to bother me if I have the wrong opinion. I'd rather have the best information and then move forward. That's what I'm looking for. I literally want to be part of the best world that I can be. Whether it's a community that has the highest paying jobs, the safest, whatever, but the best is a pursuit that you know a lot of people are after. Some people just want to be comfortable. They just want to work the job and you know work the system, and that's all they're willing to put in. The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hat. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. The question you might ask that person is, do you ever aspire to thrive beyond those circumstances? And if that's true, then they're going to have to change the way they operate and they have to take on a, a different level of responsibility that has a lot of risk involved. If you're not willing to take that risk, you're not going to see the reward. Are there companies that hit the marketplace first and then they buy up the smaller companies who might be a threat to them? Absolutely. It's part of capitalism. But you're not driving on all these highways and byways and flying planes and having 5G phones, etc., etc., because of anything but free speech and capitalism. Some of that stuff comes from different places in the world. But what drives the competition, what pays for the military that protects your freedom, etc., etc., is free marketplace. It's a shame that people don't understand the complexity of what they're saying or see... It doesn't seem to me anyway that they do, so I'm going to say it this way. It's a shame that I perceive um, that they're coming from a place where no one is capable of anything positive or where you're limiting people based on what you see. And I know in a world of dating apps and social media and everything else, people are judged on looks and who can be on the cover of this magazine, who can be on the posters at the local department store or whatever. I get it. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it a good practice. But I understand why people do it. Some of it's for inclusion, and a lot of people are not going to like it. Some of it's because they have high standards and are looking for this and that. And there's other people who go, well, wait a minute now. What about the other folks? It's a very...
no-win situation, ugly kind of confrontation that's always going to happen. Because unless you divide it into two different classes, like boys and girls, and you let everybody play together, somebody's going to dominate somebody. That's how the world is. Somebody's going to win out on the food chain. Somebody's going to get the land, and then animals are going to be displaced because we're going to burn the forest down, or we're going to go mine it, or we're going to clear-cut it for some reason. Now they don't have a place to live. That's right. We wipe out how many species a day? And you think that that same race of people, the human race of people, is able to idealistically protect? We can't even protect endangered species most of the time. You think that we're going to divide people into demographics and then start to boost each segment of that population that makes up the total? We're going to do everything so that we can make everybody... Is it comfortable? What what is what is what's the breaking point? Where are you trying to boost people up to? Is it just to give them opportunity? All right. Is it equality of outcome? That's completely different. And it's just different. You know, everybody can go out for the baseball team and not everybody's gonna make it. They may pick people who they think are going to be winners, who they think are going to get along better, who they think fit in better. And that's part of being in a tribe. No matter what you look like or where you came from, part of that is what is going to make up the best group of people if there's only so many spots to go in. And it's a shame it's that way, but we've now made a system where like the university system doesn't have the top X number of people who make the highest scores and meet the greatest qualifications We now have this equality-based system where a certain number of minorities and otherwise have to be included, irregardless if they beat out the people who would have done better than them on scholastic merit alone. And that's something to think about. Because are you going to have the best world that way? There's a lot of people who argue those points because they go, "Wait, wait, wait, wait a minute now, you mean to tell me that there was somebody who did better than them that didn't make it into school? Absolutely. You mean to tell me I could have had a doctor with a higher... Absolutely. Absolutely. But we can't change that. This is a system we have to try to give equality to everybody. Because if you don't, and everybody just hires their friends, and et cetera, et cetera, that's a problem. It is. Um, But, you know... Certain places in the world, whether it's you know Salt Lake City and, and in the Mormon communities or otherwise, have tried to protect their ways of life by not only you know establishing a community, but like ruling the community with law and otherwise. That's when it becomes very difficult for anybody who's outside. And some people do it on purpose, but they'll like move in and then try to argue to disrupt the system. Why go there? It's not a place that is designed for you. Why go there and try to mess it up? I don't go to some random concert and start yelling for them to play ACDC. What do you mean you don't play ACDC? Come on, Tim McGraw. Uh, Sorry, it's not our genre of music. It's not who you bought tickets to. It's not what we're here for. What the hell are you talking about? 
if you move into a community and then try to say that the community is not befitting of your standards or is not welcoming to you, think about whether or not you've maybe tried to make somewhere a home that was never built around uh, that kind of a temperament or social philosophy. You know, if you're the only person and you stand out in a certain way, but you do it on purpose to stand out, you do it to be that person and cause some change. I'm going to wreck this community. I'm going to bring it down to where other communities are. Often you've stopped progress from what it could be. Does it mean that one group of people, one segment of folks, one demographic is maybe a little more, you know, advanced? Maybe they're farther along because they've been able to keep the money and spend it on their own. Yeah, and absolutely that's true. That's why in certain circles of the uh, the population, you know, people who are from uh, India, from Pakistan, from a lot of places that then immigrate to the United States thrive here because they're very smart with the money and they're dedicated to work. Their family nucleus is very strong. And you can look at them and go, wait a minute now, they're brown. They're not supposed to succeed here. And they go, yeah, but it's it's not the same kind of brown. All right, well, what about the guy who comes from South Africa? Foreign exchange student, he learns the language, he dominates, he does well, and he's literally trying to get citizenship so he can be a legal and naturalized African-American. Now, if he succeeds, having come here as a second country, not having his first language be English, what does that mean for anybody who's already here? that might look and feel and be mistaken for him. What does it say? To say it's not possible? You go, nah, he's special. Is he special? What makes him special? Opportunity, work ethic, intelligence. What is it? It's not like money just fell out of the sky. I look at those kinds of discussions, and I've brought them up previously on the podcast, but... If you look at people who've come from all over the world, there's been people who have thrived and there's people who have been, you know, not so successful. There's a lot of folks who move here and they just want to be in America, but they don't give a damn about getting ahead or accommodating themselves with leisurely things. They're not trying to acquire a bunch of wealth. They just want to be here because it's better than some other place that sucks. I'm not proposing that anybody who has an argument about how you know the American system is not necessarily built for them. I'm not proposing they don't have an argument to say that it's shaped in one form or another. What I am saying is, if you know that, find the grift in the system. Find that opportunity where you can succeed, whether it's as an entrepreneur, whether it's a special job, whatever your talent is, go to school and develop that thing. Open a business based on that thing and then thrive. Do everything you want to do. Make as much as you want to make. That's what I'm looking for. I want folks to be happy. I, I, I hate the fact that you know people run up and pull on car door handles to see if they're open and what they can loot and lift and run away with and steal because that's where they are. That's what they chose to do. It's cheaper to do that. Man, you can steal $300 a day. You can only get paid $15 an hour. $15, eight-hour shift, that's $120. Bucks. It's easier to just steal the $300. Woo! 
dishonest. It's illegal. Not getting caught doesn't make it more legal. But when I see folks who are arguing um, systematic this, that, and the other, that are, you know, the country that you live in is this, that, and the other, I, I look at all the colors of the rainbow that are all around us on every app and, and every news story and everything else, and I think to myself, wow. How many different fields of opportunity exist out there? There's ways to work from home and work online and get a degree 50,000 ways, and people can move pretty freely around the country. Now, some of it takes money and effort, and it takes a good upbringing, right? You want to have a mom and a dad. I understand like that you could say that certain people don't have the same structure. Absolutely, that's true does not mean there's a lack of opportunity in the broader spectrum of the world, and there's not going to be equal outcomes. And this kind of thing where you want everybody to start off equal or something doesn't exist. It'll never exist. You can ideologically try to change that. I don't know what system you would try to come up with. You can have that discussion. But because we have judicial review... People file civil actions and class action lawsuits and they, you know, try to get stuff stricken down by the Supreme Court or repealed by the Congress or otherwise. Those things happen. They take time. That's absolutely true. But this idea that people are fearful because of X, Y, Z. I don't understand it. Very little of it has to to do with any census or demographic information. I just, I don't understand it because if you're aware of what danger is and how to avoid danger, then stay away from danger. Move somewhere else. Do something different. That's what I've done. It doesn't mean everybody's got the same means and opportunity, but literally, like, you know, as a community, step up and stamp out and tell folks who are out of line they're out of line they're not welcome now it's not the easiest thing because they might resort to some kind of retribution or violence or otherwise and every kind of civilized place in the world has had to deal with this where they've had to put down uh protesters or revolutionaries or otherwise it is somewhat the cost of doing business to have equality and comfortable uh, space to live in is to, to put up walls or to sort of combat uh, the disorderly people and the terrorists and so forth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you work for a company and someone's being disorderly and they're going against the interest of everybody and so forth and so on, you terminate them and you send them on their way. When it's in a community and it's like that, you know, you can try to reach out and reason to them with discussion. But I don't know that any of that's guaranteed in any way, shape, or form, or how it ever would be. If somebody decides they want to be violent, they can be violent. Maybe Uncle Larry was just the quietest guy for 30 years, and he walked into the post office with an axe one day. Mental illness is a big deal. But just being a homo sapien, being a human being, is a lot of responsibility. In it. And now you have access to everything humans have, whether it's cell phones and ideas and the Internet and 
instructions to do any number of good things and a hell of a lot of bad things. It's up to the folks at the very elementary level of any community to start to balance the scales, reinforce folks, get them into the habitual mindset of progress. And if you don't have, and we this is something I brought up many times today, but if you don't have that wisdom and fatherly figure in the family nucleus where you have, you know, the, the four corners of, of what a traditional uh, and successful, like statistically successful home consists of, you're missing something, right? You're playing shorthanded. You're understaffed. You're not going to perform the same. It just doesn't work out that way. One person is not supposed to do the work of two people. In that case, you would be somewhat uh, depriving or oppressing in, in some ways yourself if you have the opportunity, if you have the opportunity to be with someone else, choose to be alone. Don't try to compromise. Once you have children, you, you should stay together. Unless there is some way that you are both financially independent and you feel like um, that there's a responsible way to um, be able to get along with everybody and then, you know, maintain some kind of guidance and that kind of thing. That happens. But um, I just, it's, it's very difficult for anybody to, to sit around and throw names and shames and whatever else and try to fight these, you know, imaginary battles. Um and try to give them traction or, or push them one way or the other. Because, you know, I could tell you that, you know, what you really believe is, is communism, and then you give me this and I give you that, and we go back and forth and we piss a lot of each other's time away. It doesn't get anything accomplished. I, my thing that I ask people is where do you want to be and how do you want to get there? Just step back. Where do you want to be? How do you want to get there? Okay, do you have a reasonable way to get there? And if it inquire, you know, if it, if it requires legal change, and get it put together in writing and put it on the ballot. If it requires force, I guess you need to get some people together who are willing to live with the consequences of force. If it requires people just changing their minds, there's not a whole lot to, that can guarantee any kind of results there. People, it's what freedom is. You can think what you want to think. You can like who you want to like. You can dislike other folks, as long as you're giving everybody equal opportunity, that's got nothing to do with whether you're friends with them or not. You gave them a chance, move along. You're a scientist. You ran the experiment, you move to the next one. And it doesn't mean that people don't have any value, especially to someone like me, but it does kind of give you the chance to say, hey, I put opportunity in front of everybody. And sometimes a certain person with a certain age group or otherwise is who really thrives, okay? That's just loose data. And even with good statistics, you can lie with it. And that's part of what goes on in the world. Is people, you know, they look at all this these numbers that are put in different places and try to make predictions and try to have funky conversations. And I just I don't like that. And I'm an excellent person when it comes to you, you throw something at me and I can give you some very animated answers back to it. But what I will tell you, and what's important about all this is, that if you're a person who, 
you want to be optimistic about everybody being able to, to get along and, you know, have good aptitude to, to make smarter decisions and all that kind of stuff, is to recognize when your efforts are um, trapped in some quicksand or where, you know, you really just need to pick a different direction, you need to pick a different person to have a conversation with. Not every person is going to succeed. Not every person is going to concede. Not everybody's going to have good, rational, reasonable ideas. A lot of folks who they've they've lost their way, and there may not be any getting them back. I certainly make the, the attempt, and then let's give somebody else a chance. Doesn't mean you didn't give them a chance, absolutely. But if they're philosophically different from you, but in a way that's not making any sense, no logic, no anything. I don't see how the two of you can come to uh, common ground. I can't. And so I just pass that on to somebody else. And often those are people who are unhappy. They're aesthetically unpleasing or they have different health problems, whether it be a handicap, whether it be a, a weight issue, whether it be a mental illness, whether it be that they feel inferior, but they're not in any other way, shape, or form. It's just an emotional thing. Nothing dictates, you know, because they're on a case-by-case basis, human beings have all kinds of individualistic qualities. The guy whose gluten allergy is right here can look exactly like another guy who doesn't have a gluten allergy. Sometimes it doesn't matter what you look like or how much you're carrying around or what your wealth is or anything else. Sometimes... It's just a matter of people being a dreamer or getting a little lost along the way. There's no way to see that. You can't look at it from the outside. It's not in the picture. It's not in some census demographic. Sometimes you have to have the conversations to figure those things out. But if you know somebody's full of shit, let it go. I am going to, to play... Long tall Sally to, to head us out because, because um, <laughs> I fucking love it. Because everybody's getting along. They're on the they're on they're on the chopper uh, on Predator and uh, maybe I'll play both clips. But uh, I hope you guys have yourself a great Tuesday. Um, it's going to be an interesting rest of the spring. I'm hoping to bring a lot of good news to a lot of great folks uh, in my neck of the woods because I want them to thrive. They all come from different places, but I want them to all end up in one state of mind. The happiest, the healthiest, the most opportunistic that they could possibly be. I hope the same for you. Sir, it's okay. I'm with the U.S. Coast Guard. Pop tall. Hodge. 
Put yourself to the side of the pool. Lucky punch. Hodge! You, you stay right there. Well done, Charlie. Well done. Chief Skinner. That's five, five, zero, six. Hurrah, Hodge on three. One, two, three. Hurrah, Good for you. Get their gear off. Get their gear off. Class 5506, will you come find me if I am lost? Yes, Chief! Will you come save me if I am drowning? Yes, Chief! I believe you would. I have high hopes for this class. I have high hopes for you. Go to town and Mary Bond of the John. He clearly has a music right here. and radio freaks are indicated and fixed. AWACS contact on four-hour intervals. Who's our backup? No such thing, old buddy. This is a one-way ticket. Once we cross that border, we're on our own. <laughs> this is getting better by the minute. You know, I'd like a little pussy. She said, me too. Mine's as big as a house. Yeah. Well, you see, she, she wanted a little one because hers was a 
Sexual Tyrannosaurus, just like me. Yeah, strap this on your sore ass plane. <laughs> I was in 72, north of way. Me and Dutch both got one. Yeah, long tall Feels Everything that Uncle John needs. 